0: Strike Chord, music chit with your host, Valentino Kikowski. Welcome to Strike Accord, and today we have Simon Perlman, a singer-songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, guitarist, drummer. Welcome, Simon. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Pleasure's all ours. Um, Brisbane kid.
1: Yeah, uh, it's a little bit confusing, the chronology, because I was technically born in Sydney. Ah, uh, okay. I suppose I kind of, it's that whole... What was it John Lennon said he um he was born in Liverpool but grew up in Hamburg. <laughs> so, I sort of I was born in Sydney but grew up in Brisbane. Brisbane. Yeah.
0: Um why the transition to Melbourne?
1: Well, I Brisbane was great for the time when I was living there. We I you know, played drums in a few bands and um cut my teeth on the live scene there, mm-hmm. but uh, Melbourne's I guess uh live music scene was just too good to Resist, and the community here was, yeah, was such I'll a magnetic...
0: Completely understand that.
1: Yeah, so I, m- I moved here in 2008. Um,
0: That's which... not too long ago, actually. No, it's
1: quite recent, And it, all things considered. Um, and the first, um, yeah, the first Man Called Sun release had only just come out, so it was around that sort of time when I was transitioning to a solo Form of a better term, solo career.
0: So in Brisbane, you uh, I had a bit of a read and you call it the, the tropical DIY. Is that is that, is that right? Yeah, yeah, it's I
1: think there's something about the scene there, or at least at the time, mm. we're, we're talking about um, the mid-2000s kids, where it was very much organic and um, mm. there were a lot of venues, particularly around the Fortitude Valley area, okay. which, um, you know, inner city Brisbane, very sort of supportive art scene um lots of i guess yeah places popping up that might normally not be a venue and the next week it might be gone but it gave you a chance to go and try some things and And try some things yeah yeah. and um that was certainly the case with the bands i played in and then later with my own solo um work so yeah it just encourages i think or it fosters that kind of independent Mm. spirit
0: yeah did you play play drums predominantly in Brisbane or did you play everything or was it here that you thought all right I'm going to give everything a crack
1: yeah it was the first few years I was drumming in a band called Genshen, um yep. which uh you know we did quite well for ourselves we we sort of had the triple j backing mm. and did a few tv appearances and toured around Australia and that was great um that
0: would have been a good experience oh it
1: was amazing you know but I sort of felt uh, there were always kind of songs bubbling away in the background, and we, we sort of did well. We did synth rock, which um, was a little bit different to what I was doing. And so I formed another band, just on my own with yep. uh, a few mates, and um, and uh, sort of had a go at fronting it and just playing my own songs. And um, that was the first step. And then um, that was you know for a few years in Brisbane, and then uh, that kind of band ran it, that band ran its course, yep. and uh, um, yeah, decided to pursue the solo thing, I started um, recording things at home, and it just seemed like a logical progression. As everyone, as
0: everyone does, everyone starts at home, and then you progress. Yeah. But you progressed in a way where, let's just get a studio and do it at home, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or let's just buy some stuff. Yeah, and there
1: were a lot of, there were a lot of missteps uh, early on. I didn't really know what I was doing. Um oh, we were all in that yeah,
0: stage once?
1: Yeah, upon a time. Yeah, I think everyone goes through that. And um so the first EP actually the first couple of EPs were, you know, I guess just shots in the dark, little mm-hmm. bit experiments and you know, trying to hone my craft
0: but And that was with Son of S- a man, S- man called Son. A man called Son? Yeah. Um did you find that you started before you put the group together, or did you sort of like put the group together and then start that project?
1: Yeah, it was very much a one-man show for mm. years, and okay. it wasn't until I'd have the odd kind of, you know, temporary lineup that we would we'd play gigs every yep. now and then. But whenever it was, you needed
0: one, someone you pluck them from here. Yeah, from there.
1: yeah, I would get just from the sort of network. But when I moved to Melbourne, uh, I guess I started seriously, you know, trying to get a band together. Mm. So. We've obviously gone through a few lineups, but it was really just an excuse to get out and play live because because I, I love playing with other musicians, and oh, that's what it's about. We all do. Yeah, <laughs> and
0: and the thing about playing with live musicians, um, everyone's different as they are as as a as a human being, but everyone's even more different when, when they play and when it's live, magic happens. Yeah, it's you know? the
1: chemistry, and I and I was trying to capture that um, early on uh, with the original lineups, mm. but it's it's always an ever-evolving thing, and thankfully our I'm lucky to have a really good lineup at the moment, and um, uh, my guitarist—he's been with the with the lineup since 2017, the, the current man called son lineup. So, you know, it's it's good that it, I just. I just hope that I can
0: hold on to them for a bit, for a bit longer, you know? Uh, look, um, you know, we all like to be in a, in a long relationship with our musicians and our bands. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen though. It's, we don't know what happens. It's going to happen tomorrow, but yeah, it's you know, enjoy bromance. it while, while you can. Yeah. It's a man. Enjoy <laughs> it while you can. Um, your single plateau, I had a listen. It's a great, great song. Great oh, Thank you. Thank you. Um, really well produced, well written. And, um, as I was saying before, it's got that Paul Kelly sort of, sort of sound. And, um, you produce that end to end
1: yeah so basically most of the songs i write i've i'll sort of demo it i'll demo it um pretty roughly with all the parts yep and when i show it to the other band members they kind of they pick it up and add their own slant yep. but with that song it was pretty minimal involvement from the others um that there is bass playing from um, the other constant member of the group, he's he's playing bass on it, Thomas. Um, yep. And and Sam, the member who I mentioned before, he's been there since 2017, he added some lead guitar and there was a little bit of backing vocals from others, but yeah, it was essentially all the other parts just kind of workshopping it away on my own. Yep. The keyboards, all the layers and um, yeah, all the bits and pieces that go into it. So yeah, end to end, yeah, it's it's essentially... Somewhat singular vision, yeah,
0: yeah. I, I, I find that, um, I, f- I find that a big achievement when you do it end to end, and then when you sort of like listen to it, I know I've done it with, with my tracks a lot of time, and then you think something can happen, but I don't know what, yeah. Then when you give it to someone else, you or you get the bass player come in or you get the drummer, or you get the you know keyboard playing, and they oh, I better put, put a bit of this, put a bit of that, and then you think, oh, okay, now it's opening up, um, and I find that. True with a lot of the because I do a lot of solo sort of stuff as well. Um, but I, because playing nylon string guitar for me, um, and putting in a lot of different instruments can sometimes um overcrowd it, so yeah, you know, and it depends on what you're, what you're playing and what your what your sound is. But that that single plateau has actually works with everything in it, so thank it, you. It's, it's great,
1: yeah. Well, the I think one thing I'm always conscious of, conscious of, I should say, is um, trying not to overstuff the song mm. with, with too much unnecessary um, instrumentation. So with that one, uh, there's a lot of bits and pieces which, you know, I would take out, uh, I might remove or yep. in the mix down yep. might, might um, be ditched. Um, so I, I generally... I generally veer towards something lush sounding, but not mm. to the point where it's where it's overcomplicated because everything has its place. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's
0: very important. And it's good that you have that awareness because sometimes um and, and if you don't mix down the things yourself, you give it to someone, they don't know your concept. So you need to sit with them um and, and, and do all of that. And sometimes that can work with you or against you sometimes. But um, in regards to that, it's a really, really well done mix. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's all there. It's, you know, ev- ev- everything's there. You Thank know?
1: you. Well, I should, I should point out, I'm, I, as tempted as I am to claim full credit, um, I did have a very talented mixer in the US do a bit of work on it. His, uh, his name's Jordan Silver. Um, so he, I worked closely with him, as close as you can work with someone online, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and he, he gave. Uh, that song and what we had, a really nice polish. Mm. Uh, and then it was mastered in the UK, uh, which sort of glued it all together, I okay. suppose. But yeah.
0: Yeah, mixing and mastering, two, two separate things, two separate things. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> yeah. um, and the mastering is like the icing on the cake, you know? So, But going back to, I suppose, the arranging and your, your musicality and, and your approach, what's your approach when you have an idea? Is it lyrics first? Or music first or whatever whatever sort of comes first so, I you know. wish it
1: was lyrics because I, I, then I could count dozens and dozens of interviews you know that I've read of some of my favourite songwriters and they all say the same thing lyrics mm. with some exception lyrics is like the hardest thing it is. to get right and it, it, is. and it always unless it's the odd phrase that sticks it's usually the last thing to be worked on yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah music first in my case um, I'll usually just be yeah strumming a guitar or just playing piano and the the chords yep. will suggest the melody yep. um i never really studied music i never um yeah i don't know how to read music but so i'm you know self-taught so i think for me it's about finding chords that are interesting or kind yep. of spark or a, or a chord sequence that sparks my interest with Plateau, i had an old um 70s organ that was oh, sitting okay. on the street that i Oh really? Yeah that uh, I used um I think you, you you can find them if you go for a stroll. I think it's hard rubbish time in.
0: Probably, uh, uh, <laughs> probably, especially here in Brunswick. Yeah, <laughs> find, actually, you probably won't find them here in Brunswick. No, they'll I probably snap them up. They'll go, yeah, they'll end up
1: in one of these vintage stores. No, yeah. but uh, but yeah, I found one and uh, just started bashing away. this. it was kind of a monkey's style. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah organ yeah. riff. So so, it's, and then you could. I sort of added the drum machine. has got. have got. It's one of those organs that's got the drum machine on it, and so I, that song was written almost entirely on that old seventies organ. And then oh, cool. when I moved to, when I moved to a unit, I don't live there anymore, but when I moved to this place in Brunswick East, I ended up having to ditch the organ cause it just wouldn't fit. Wouldn't oh, fit in the. Okay. Like it, it fit, but it was just, if you, every time you move every time you try and play, you'd be squashed up against <laughs> the wall. So, so my advice, um, kids is if you find an instrument, just make sure you can take it to where you're going to move to. Because, make sure you got the accommodation yeah, right. You got the accommodation yeah, right. Yeah. 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 Oh, that, that's awesome. <laughs> that's
0: awesome. um, Look, things like that—that's um, where the magic happens, I think. It's, yeah, that doesn't happen very often. Where you know, you you got a whole backstory about you know about this single, so that's very interesting as well. Um, maybe that's where the lyrics probably come from as well. Sometimes, you know, yeah, not, not for every song, but maybe that's where you know, that's where the journey takes you. you know?
1: Yeah, I think. Yeah, you're right. Some some of the um, I guess experiences that I've had in the last few years. Uh, influence or inform the lyrics. Mm. Um, but, you know, it's a bit difficult because if I say, it's a bit difficult for me to claim that they're autobiographical. There is an autobiographical element, but there's always a bit of detachment as well. Oh, um,
0: that's that's what makes it
1: interesting. It was Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, there's a line in that song which says, um, you know, I asked my mother, well, sorry, my mother asked me when I'm going to have some kids. You know, my mother doesn't ask me when I'm going to have some kids. <laughs> um, so, you know. I, I tell a lie there, folks, but it's in there. It's in there. Yeah. So, oh, well, yeah. anything to
0: make it interesting, you know. And and that's yeah. oh, there's a lot of lot of songs where it's not really the truth, you know. They're talking some, you know, telling some porcupines. But hey, you know,
1: songwriters yeah. are great. Big fish, people. Yeah, you know? <laughs> the fish just gets bigger and bigger. That's right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, when you when you put things together, do you have in mind a band, people? instruments, or do you just, all right, this is the melody, these are the chords, let's just see what happens. It's a bit of
1: both. Um, some songs I- in my head, I'll be thinking, well, that lends itself to a pretty stark, simple arrangement. Um, for example, there was a song on the last album called Sandy J, which was about, it's a pretty specific subject, but it's about, um, it's actually influ- or based on the Nancy Drew story, the Australia's first um, female pilot or flying doctor okay um i just changed the name um but that was that song is a good example because i didn't feel it needed much embellishment Mm. it was just going to be me on acoustic and then maybe a bit of cello or something in there but usually i'll have a band arrangement in my head or various kind of instruments going on in the background oh that that needs a bit of layering so with what we had with the riff I felt like it needed at least two lead guitars running through it. Yep. It needed the riff, and then it needed another second guitar, almost like that Neil Young thing where you've got yep. these two guitars wailing away. Um, so yeah, it's a bit of both. It really depends on the song and what it what it's calling for or what it's mm. you know what it's suggesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, mostly, mostly um, an actual band backing is uh, is what I go for. And if I can't capture that with my band not because they can't do it but just because some songs may be better off just with a drum machine then yep. I'll just kind of layer it up okay. that way on my own yeah so it just depends yeah.
0: so what happens live?
1: live is a different beast live so is a very different these beast these things
0: that you layer and all of this because I'm, I'm, I'm interested because I do the same thing I and mean, when it comes to live it's a completely different version yeah um, do you find that as well?
1: yeah absolutely <laughs> when we play live we tend to crank things up a bit and okay. get a bit you know get a use, bit magical we, well we, we get a bit we get a bit spinal tap. Oh, we get okay. a bit we get a bit, bit rock and roll 10.5
0: eleven yeah you know it's
1: a delicate well with us we are just an, we are just an indie rock act so it's <laughs> probably around the six <laughs>
0: if you hit pushing the seven that means it's uh yeah you know, that's a good night that's a good night that's a good night
1: yeah but we but we tend to we tend to you know we jam out the songs a bit. Yeah. We we make it a bit more electric and literally like we sort of plug things in a bit and make it a bit more overblown. Yeah. And
0: and improv? Do you guys improv Yeah. A
1: bit? couple of songs. Yeah. There's there's a song on the new album called Fire Glow which has a pretty big improv section. Okay. Uh, and then there's a few other songs in the set where you know they're usually a three minute song on the album, but we stretch it out to six minutes, there's a longer solo Yeah, or yeah and, pieces, then, yeah. and that,
0: that gives you a bit, bit more time and it's open to Absolutely. to interpretation as well. Love yeah. is life, right? You can't yeah. beat it. Well that's right. I think they're they're
1: two they're two different sides of the coin. And um I'm definitely more of a studio person. I'm more comfortable in the studio, mm. but but I think post you know lockdown, uh it's it's felt amazing to just get on stage mm. with other musicians. It's just been Something that is so easy to take for granted, and, oh, and uh, isn't it, yeah.
0: Isn't it? I totally agree. It's been, um, it's been, it's been hard, for for the musicians, uh, in general, you know, um, and because we're, we're musicians as well, we, it's in our heart, and that's where we, you know, that's where we concentrate on whether, you know, whether it's something's good for the musicians, something's bad, and, and I think coming out of COVID, you know everyone's every musicians that's been playing live all their lives is is hanging to go with them and play live again but then on the other token you know you got some venues that will probably you know take that situation and you know and and a, not abuse it but you know you'll go there and play for for less money or you won't you won't do it because you know you're you're doing it on a professional level you want to do it because you want to go out and play again and i think Absolutely. um yeah i think some venues have taken that for granted i think
1: oh yeah yeah and <clears throat> it's it's a, it's an interesting time because you know obviously topically speaking there is a mm. big push for musicians to to um you know have a minimum wage and i'm i'm all for you that's know, been going on rights. for a while i'm, I'm yeah. all for that as well yeah
0: um and i think now it's more embellished after the COVID crap yep um But, yeah, I think, you know, I think there should be something. Um, And and as much as we all can help individually as musicians, I think um, the music communities, because there's a lot of us, a lot of communities, I think should probably just get together and say, well, this is it. It doesn't matter who you're going to get. This is the standard. This is what you're going to get paid. Yes. This is whether, whether you get an indie rock or you get, you know, a, a, a metal band, or you get a punk rock band, or you get a Latin band, or whatever. That's the standard, right? And also the standard of who's pro and who's semi-pro and who's amateur. You know, so I think I think that's a it's a it's a very good point that you that you raise. It's a it's it's a very important point, especially for the livelihood of us musicians.
1: I think it needs to be yeah, absolutely a, a fairer playing field. Um, anything I would say, and this is just very subjective here, is that's all right. Uh, if you if you are a band starting out. It shouldn't be necessarily a minimum wage, but I I would plug for a minimum rider where you got a fridge full of beer, right? <laughs> just just a minimum a minimum fridge full of full of, uh, full of beer drinks. That oh, would be the goal.
0: Or oh, maybe oh, maybe a meal as well.
1: <laughs> maybe yeah yeah, and if and if not a meal, then at least a fifty you know at least a decent discount on that meal. Because, yeah um, yeah, let's, you you're probably that. right. Yeah, I I I mean, as I said, I'm I'm no expert on how it works with with uh, the labour industry, but um, yeah, I think there needs to be something, some yeah, incentive. I, I, I yeah. agree. I agree.
0: <laughs> and probably, you know, free hire of of equipment or something like that, thrown yep. in for them. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's an incentive. I don't well, know. There's,
1: yeah, there's some great venues, actually we've played at recently, where it's, I think some of them have kind of come up, they've sprung up since the pandemic, yep. um, one of which we're playing at. And sorry, this is an accidental plug. I didn't... No, go, go it, for so. it, go for but it. We are, we are playing um, in a couple of weeks at this great venue called... It's called Mama Chen's in Footscray. Okay. This is a plug for the venue, if anything else. Um, yep. uh, as far as I understand, it was it was built during the, the height of the pandemic and then sort of opened up when, when things were opening up again. And yep. uh, uh, they've just got some of the best um, equipment that if, if a drummer rocks up, the, the kit's there, ready for them. Uh, how it's good a really is that? Good, yeah, and it's a how, really good kit. How good um, is that?
0: Not as good as this kit. Uh, but, uh, d- yeah, this <laughs> kit's this kit's um, the Rolls Royce, I think.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm I'm very attracted to it. Lovely shade of green. But uh, no, I don't mean in that way. Sorry. Kid. Uh, but no, but it's it this venue. Um, I recommend it to any band that's that's wanting a decent gig. Mama Chans is, is really good. sinfoots Grey. So uh, and
0: and and by all means plug it because this podcast is about that. It's about you know the pushing of musicians, exposure of musicians, venues and everything like that. Oh, that's, what, that's what we want to do. Well, in case of you know?
1: any confusion, that's Saturday 15th of October and it's free, <laughs> I think. Free? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's free. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, in regard... Well, we were talking about your... You sort of touched up on your new single and everything like that or a couple of new singles and new album coming up. Um, how's that travelling? How, how? What can we expect? So we've
1: released now two singles from the album it's obviously been a bit of a stagnated thing because mm-hmm. of um this whole covid debacle but yep. uh uh we're hoping to release the album in november as in um early november uh and it's going to be pressed on vinyl so that's the first for us okay uh the album's called time bombs in the sea which is actually a it's lifted from the one of the lines to what we had so okay uh, yeah that's uh yeah. That's now album number four. So it's been on the cards for a little while, but we're we're really excited to be to be finally putting mm. it out there. Um, Vinyl. Vinyl, huh?
0: Yeah. Vinyl is um different mastering method.
1: Different well, mastering and different costs. So yeah, I know, I know.
0: Not cheap. <laughs> not cheap, not cheap. It's... A, a, a few years ago, it sort of like had its um, sort of like return, you know. Um, but... Yeah, it's not cheap because I'm I'm thinking about vinyl for my next album, but I've been turned off it in a sense that you. What if you don't sell them all and you have got a minimum to do and you press and then they all stack up at home? Yeah, absolutely. And you use them as a doorstop. Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to put it under the bed <laughs> those the no, vinyl copies. No. So that's why we're,
1: we're we're keeping our aim realistic. We're doing what's called a short run. Yep, of vinyl. So hundred. Yeah, it's hundred. I think it's hundred and fifty is the minimum we could do yep there's literally only two pressing plants in Australia the second one only just opened in Brisbane funnily enough um, I thought there was one in Melbourne yeah that's there the is, other one yeah. so the other one is li- just down the road in, yeah. in Brunswick East yep. so that's Zenith um, yep. so they're pressing it but we actually got the vinyl mastering done by the same person that mastered it for digital release in the UK he, he does vinyl mastering okay he's really good yeah so, it's totally yeah. different
0: it's a totally different master it's a totally different ball game
1: yeah know? absolutely there's dynamic considerations yeah um, but I've got I've thankfully I've got the test pressings and had a, had a few listens and nice um, yeah it's all sounding good but uh, it's yeah it's a standard length because one thing I've noticed with vinyl now is because obviously you know quality is paramount for all these mm. successful bands um, yeah. and they put out you know, two or three uh, sides, or sorry, two or three um, records that amount to one album. So you play it at, you know, you might okay. play it at 45 or 33, but the point yep. is you've got to keep flipping it over every two or three songs. Well, I didn't want to do that. So it's, it's, it's still one record, just old school style, yep. one record, A and B side. That's it. Uh, and also that keeps,
0: from a practical point of view, it keeps costs yeah. down. <laughs> it does. It does because I think, and also it depends on how many how many um, output tracks you have you've got stereo that'll give you so many grooves in the vinyl if you're going to expand on that and try and put all these phases and stuff it actually uses more of the vinyl that's, that's right. what I heard so and that costs more absolutely yeah. so you want to do probably uh, chilli peppers and do a mono all the way through you know <laughs> Yeah,
1: we're, we're an unsigned indie band so uh, our budget yeah. is, is
0: quite limited yeah. yeah sometimes the budget is no budget but you know <laughs> Um, so, Simon, your, your love of music, where did it derive from? Where, where did it come from? Well, it,
1: that's a really good question because uh, it literally relates to what we were just discussing. Uh, my dad, uh, bless him, used to put on a lot of records when I was a kid, uh, everything from The Beatles to Neil Young to Simon Garfunkel to yeah. Kate Bush. Ah, okay. um, this is before Stranger Things, Yes. So this is a long time. This is babushka. Ac- yeah, that's right. Yeah, babushka. The babushka. Emphasis. Yeah, this was literally in the eighties yeah. when when she was you know at her sort of peak.
0: It's our generation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm showing my age here, for yeah.
1: so, so so I used to put that on, and um, yeah, I just just went in diving into that world. So I, you know, obviously bands like the Beatles are top of my list for mm. you know um, influences and bands that I love the most, but. But I got a pretty good education just listening to classical and other stuff as well, jazz and blues. So yeah, as a kid, probably about two or three, I can remember that
0: far back just listening to these albums and yeah. And when was it when you grabbed your first instrument? When was (laughs) it that you thought, all right, I'm going to, this is what I like. This is what I'm going to give a crack on. Well, do kitchen pots and pans. Count?
1: <laughs> uh, <that's>, uh... <laughs> I love it. Uh... <laughs> so yeah, that's that's essentially what happened. I was I just started bashing away on whatever I could grab around the household, and then I think my parents were understandably sick of the racket. They just thought, let's let's just and get him a kid. Kit. Yeah, but I was I was quite, you know. Crafty about it, I'd sort of stretch plastic bags over buckets, and you get a sort of drum sound out of that. That's before I yeah, you know, got yeah. the kid obviously. Well, that's creative. We'll yeah, it, it sounded like a tom tom. So, yeah. and then I'd, I'd get to get the snare sound, I sort of stretch foil over other things. So, you kind of falls got that snare kind of rattle. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the problem is, um, this is this is the really idiotic part, and this, this is why it was never going to work. I didn't have drumsticks, so I'd play with chopsticks. So the chopstick would go straight through. <laughs> not the wooden foil. spoons? The drum, no wooden sticks? spoons, yeah. I don't know why I didn't use wooden spoons. Just flip them around the other side. And... That that would have made a lot more sense, <laughs> but not a very smart thing. But So, yeah, my, my folks got me my first kit when I was probably, I think, 12 or 13. I think it was around that, that time. And then I used, luckily we had a garage separate from the house. So I used to go uh, home from school and just bash away. That, that, that makes a difference. It makes a lot of difference because they could barely hear it and uh, – I would literally put on a record and just play along to it. Yep. Um, so that was that was the first instrument I really you know And you taught to yourself
0: like on the drums you just went for it.
1: Yeah, my mum had a friend who was, you know, she was a very cool friend, you know, she 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 had she was a drummer and she okay. tried to teach me the, the drumming music, the notes and everything. Okay. And I'd go around far from it, but I just, I just, I would lose interest, you know, my mind would just wander. So I <laughs> couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> be la la, la la Yeah, yeah. So sort of, I'd have a go at it and then I'd, I kind of, I wouldn't get very far. But um, yeah, I ended up just playing. The first band I played in was, a, I kid you not, a Black Sabbath covers oh, awesome. band. Yeah, but I, I, I loved playing with them. They were a great above me. They were actually really good musicians. Like I was probably about 14 and they were about 15, 16. Um, and it was that moment where you just sort of jump behind the kid and you start playing with them, and then um, they sort of just look back and like, oh, this, this nerdy, scrawny kid can actually play. He's not too bad. Um, and you're going, ah, huh? yeah, huh? So yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm, yeah, you know, I'm not as uh, annoying as I look. <laughs> but, uh, but but um, I ended up, you know, we ended up doing school reviews and playing at house parties and stuff. Oh, nice. And yeah, it was a good kind of introduction into that sort of musical world. But here's the thing, we didn't actually have a singer. We were mostly instrumental. We, we'd sort of get the odd... Oh, even better. Yeah. But it was it was all just like, yeah, you know, like War Pigs, all those sort of songs. Yeah. It was like, yeah, you know, eight minutes. No vocals. <laughs> yeah. uh, that,
0: that, that, uh, you know, that's a challenge.
1: It was hard, actually. Yeah, thinking back, I don't know how we did it. Um, So it was a good, yeah, a bit of baptism by fire because oh. you had to kind of imagine where the lyric, where the vocals would go. Yeah, Yeah.
0: And there was no track of this or of that you know guiding you it was just go for it no, no yeah
1: you just it was just straight in and thinking back i was i was playing a few of those songs completely ass backwards sorry um and was you know i had no idea because I'd, I'd never heard the originals so yeah. it was all just guesswork um but that kind of helps i think in a way it kind of helps oh, you to. Know, of course it of kind course. of hones you your skills a bit when you're not quite sure it, what the original is oh yeah uh,
0: definitely definitely and and it yeah you're thrown in the deep end but you learn to swim
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. so I did that for a few years and then um, I basically, you know, would pick up the old, when no one was looking, the old acoustic guitar and sort of uh, play yeah. it sort of feebly. <laughs> uh, but eventually my mum bought a piano and that, was, that oh, nice. was a real, I guess, turning point, just sitting down, figuring out where the notes and the chords, you know, are and uh, different voicings and stuff and so I'd, I would play for hours and just kind of... Put the, my foot on the sustain pedal and just let the chords yeah. sort of ring out. Yeah, that was that was a turning point.
0: And that's where the arranging and composition started, right?
1: I hope. I like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think so, but uh, because it's yeah. it's
0: it's actually easy on a piano to actually get some get some sounds and chords quite quickly.
1: Yeah, rather than a guitar. Oh yeah, yeah. There's things. Honestly, if someone says to me, "All right, play a flat seven on the on the guitar," I can't do it. You know. Um, not through lack like of trying, I'm just not, I'm just quite limited in terms of the chords that I can play. Yeah. Um, and, and often I have to reach for the carpo just to, just to get yeah. to Yeah, uh, I use it too. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just to get to the right thing. But yeah. but with piano, yeah, it just feels a lot more limitless in terms of where you can go. The piano you
0: know. is, um, it's got a broad range. So you can actually do a chord and it's sounding like this, sounding like that. You don't have to know the chord. Yeah. You can just feel your way through and say, oh, yeah, this works, this doesn't work, you know, oh. And it doesn't sound really bad. Yeah. Whereas on the guitar, it can sound really bad. Can, yeah, you know? I went through that phase for a few years. <laughs> <laughs> um, but look, I mean, you know, with, with that, you get to learn all these instruments and it's, it's a positive thing because I find when I – because I can play different instruments as well and I can actually – I've got the sound in my head about how it will sound on this or instrument on that I'll put a bit of piano or keys or whatever or you know a bit of of percussion maybe here Um, and then you can sort of visualise the sound if you like I know it's a a strange you know term visualising sound but you can actually hear it before you actually play it if you know the instrument yeah well
1: that's that's a good point actually because on the um uh, I think it's the the Peter Jackson doco, the the let it uh, sorry get back the recent mm. one, uh, the recent Beatles doco, the fly on the wall um, doco is. There's a moment where Paul's explaining, you know how sort of, how he writes songs on piano to, I think one of the assistants there, and he's just saying, you know, it's easy for him to write. it on, it's, it's always easy for Paul McCartney, of course, <laughs> no one else. But um, uh, it's easy for him to write these songs on piano because. He can hear the whole thing in his head. Yeah, the whole piano. The piano contains an orchestra, is what he's saying. Essentially. Yeah. Um, So yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely agree. So yeah, that that was great. Uh, But then we had to sell the piano because a rat got in it and urinated all over. Oh really? Yeah. (laughs) So that was the end. So that was the end of that.
0: That's awesome that's, 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 a, that's a good story That's a really good story And that's probably Maybe something We should write about In lyric or something I, should, I
1: should turn it into a song Make it into a positive Because yeah. I love that piano And I still think about That piano every day it's, uh, not, not the rat This isn't some Michael Jackson Ben story <laughs> <laughs> So there's no love, no love song to a rat. Uh, no, here. no,
0: no. Well, not a lot of people will get that, but maybe a,
1: our generation. That's a deep cut for, yeah. for for our generation.
0: Yeah, it is. It is. Oh, that's great. That's great. But um, look, you know, it's it's onwards and forwards and onwards, as they say. And then you know, you you've you left Brisbane, you came here. Um, when you came here, what was the hardest thing musically that you found? You know, because there's. When I when I ask this question to a lot of musicians who have come from Sydney, Brisbane, Perth or whatever, you know, they've all got a different answer. Some of them say, oh, it's hard to get into the scene. It's hard to find, you know, people to l- give us a shot. It's hard to find musicians, yeah. you know. Um, what about for yourself? What was the hardest thing when you came to Melbourne? Oh, it's a tough one. There were, there were quite a few challenges, but I
1: think I think the top of the list would be trying to i guess hold on to a lineup because mm. yeah i've been lucky because most of my former bandmates or you know musicians that i play with the vast majority i've been able to you know maintain friendships with and and, that. so and that's a good thing yeah and that's, that's a good, a good thing. thing yeah and i think it's because the terms are always fairly clear like I like to call it a benevolent dictatorship you know there's no doubt there's, there's no doubt who's there's no doubt who's writing the songs here folks but uh but that doesn't that doesn't mean that you know people can't contribute it's just that it's a solo project
0: yeah and if I let them they will yeah exactly yeah
1: so it's not I don't want to say that it's an a, a, an autocracy autocracy it's just that it's it's still very much a solo project with band members involved so, yeah. so for me the hardest thing was finding. I guess, once I'd found musicians, um, priorities would change for them, not because they didn't enjoy playing in the band. It's just that, you know, it, it's totally expected. You get you get older. Like when I moved to Melbourne, I was, um, giving it away here folks, but I was, you know, I was in my mid twenties and um, you know, it, that, that's a, a bit more of a, I guess, it's a young adult time when mm. you know everyone else is still finding their feet. But yeah. as you kind of get a bit older and as people get in their late 20s and early 30s, they might be settling down or having mm. families of their own. And so or uh, well, they might be getting that dream job. And so priorities change. So they might not be able to invest as much time. Yeah, so true. Yeah. So, so true. So I think that was the hardest part. It was holding on to lineups. And um, it, because, because there'd be so much change, it would affect Really, the regularity of gigs and how often we gigged, yeah, yeah,
0: and the regularity of rehearsals. Oh, big time, yeah, you know. You, yeah. I mean, you got your charts or you got whatever, you know, you got this and you got the, you got the material, but different people play different styles and different ways. And then you gotta um, gel, you gotta get used to it, they gotta get used to you. It's a process, and I don't think, um, the people who are out outside of the music industry and who are not musicians probably don't see that they don't yep. see all the effort and the time that us musicians put in to just rehearsing and as you said if the lineups change it's sort of like sort of like Fraser Spanning that works yeah and you gotta um, compensate for it somehow
1: yeah you know? it's not like you know I read about uh, Chuck Berry whenever he toured around the world because he was a notoriously stingy person yeah um, I heard too. for a for a <laughs> Wealthy, successful musician, sorry. But he was... I think that's because he was quite... He was done over he, by he, the industry. So yeah. he had his reasons. But... Yeah. but, um, And it is a very tough industry, even more so back then. But to save on costs, he would basically hire a backing band no matter where he was yep. touring. Um, so, you know, fly to England, get a backing band there, you know, go to... Um, I don't know, it could be Hawaii, same thing. So, in my case... You know, it's not it's not like I can just hire a backing band and there there no. it is. It's and that's the case for probably just about any any sort of
0: unsigned indie artist, I suppose. So yeah. But your band's an indie rock band. Chuck Berry, it's three chords. Yeah. All all of his songs. Yeah. That's so right. you, you can he whistle it to any musician, and they'll get it. Yeah, and they'll probably get it on the fly. That might have been yeah. why he kept
1: changing the keys on on them all the time, just to just to mess with them. Just to mess. Like so you think this is easy?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Do it in F sharp. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right. I read that he did that with uh, Bruce Springsteen's backing band once. Oh, really? Yeah, they were they were like, oh wow, I get to play with Chuck Berry, and then he just kept changing the so- the key all the time. Oh. And sometimes wow. even the song, like mid song, just to mess with them, and uh, and they were like, oh god, we sound terrible, and then he just then after the stage he just walked off and was like, goodbye. And just Left in his, in his limo, whatever. Oh, that's, that's brilliant. It. Checks in the mail. Yeah. That's it. That's very rock and roll. Oh, very, very, <laughs> very, 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 very. So I couldn't get away with that. No. Nah, <laughs> no. Nah.
0: All right. I guess one last thing, Simon. If you had a musical magical wand to wave around, what would be the one thing that you think magic happens and all sorted? What would be your, your what would be the outcome? I
1: suppose that's a, that's a really good question. It's,
0: it's a hard one, but
1: I have to give this one some thought. Uh, here's my brain. There's ticking a lot of over. options, I know. Yeah, you, you know. I but one
0: thing that you think, if I was to wave now, yeah. in this, in in the climate that we are now, in 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 the in the position that we're in, or in the phase that you're in, yep. to wave a magical wand, this would happen. What would be? It?
1: Look, I th- I think for us, you know, as an outfitter, a band, I, I think for us it's always been. We always get people that might come up to us after shows, and mm. they, you know, they they really dig it or they they enjoy it, and they want to, um, you know, see our next gig and so forth. But for us, what's been a little bit elusive is, uh, and I'm not saying you know this is the be all and end all, but for us, what's always been elusive is getting that that big song just to break through. Because mm. I think we I think we've got a few really strong songs that, um, particularly on the new album, that I think will find or should find an audience. So I think for me, um, it's just having that one song that can reach mm. enough people. And that's not so much because, you know, I feel like we deserve the success. It's just that I feel that the music is accessible enough to to reach a larger audience. So okay. that would be the, that is the musical goal. Okay. Um, because I think musically we've done everything right but i think i think we just need to we'd all like to connect with you know with with bigger audiences and this year the gigs have been the best we've done okay Um, well that's good that's that's positive that's a positive and uh and i think you know to add to that we want to take it outside melbourne you know um, well regional victoria as well we want to go beyond regional victoria and you know do the sydney thing so so i guess you know sydney brisbane and Perth, even um, so, I guess yeah. an answer your question: bigger audience, bigger shows. Really, awesome. that's pretty simple. Awesome.
0: But, yeah. If people want to connect to you and I want to connect to your music, where do they do it?
1: Well, it's an easy one to remember. Uh, so it's a man called It's S O N, not S U uh, N. And uh, the Instagram is the same. It's just at a man called Sun.
0: And so. I'll pop. I'll pop the, li- the links into everything. In the actual text of, you know, the podcast and everything else on how, how we all do it, sort of thing. So Amen. um free publicity. Yeah. Simon, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um hopefully we can do it again later on when I mean, you guys have done all your tours and everything <laughs> like that, you know. Um just like to shout out and a big thank you to um yes, your revival, um, to my production team here, um, to cake eclipse as well for these beautiful cakes. Um and also, yeah, I can to Simon, thank you very much. And hopefully, you know, we'll do it again sometime. And, um, yeah, we'll take it from there.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. It's been a pleasure.
0: All the very best. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Mm.
2: in a rainy city oblivious to the gloom thought you be Volcanic islands, time bombs in the sea A thousand miles from the mainland Scattered so carelessly Trying to survive Every storm and tide. What we had is all we had all that I need to know. All these plans and shifting sands won't take me where I want to go down to Terminal 3. Flying back to your home country. But listen, like the movies, there's just regret. high up on the hill far from the city
0: Hope you enjoyed the Strike Code Chord podcast. Be sure to visit valentinoflaminco.com to access more podcast episodes, news and other projects that I'm currently working on. Thanks for listening and watching.